and welcome to Conversations with Ascend Mum, brought to you by the Supersensory Squad, helping support young people, parents and educators understanding the sensory systems and emotional regulation. In this episode, I am talking to Danielle Gibbs, who is a mum of two um, and one of her daughters has epilepsy and is a double amputee. So Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me on. That's all right. So first of all, can you tell us a little bit about you, your family and your story, please? Yeah, so Danielle, 31. I nearly said 30 then. I keep saying I'm 30, <laughs> but I'm 31. Married, yeah, two daughters. So I've got a 13-year-old, so just entering the teenage years, which is quite tricky to navigate itself. And then I've got a six-year-old Freya, who she is a double fruity and she has epilepsy as well. Okay. We live in West Wales, so like nice farmland and in the middle of nowhere, basically. <laughs> so it could get quite lonely. So it's nice to hop on here and know. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and Danielle and I, because my my son has epilepsy, and so it's nice to chat to a fellow epilepsy mum. So we've had a lot of yeah, you feel like that too, which yeah. already even before we've we've recorded this. And so any other mums of kids who have epilepsy, hopefully some of the things that we we will chat about as well will resonate with you. So so yeah, any kind of common misconceptions uh, that you have encountered you know, with regards to, you know, um, amputation, uh, epilepsy, anything in your journey? Probably so more because obviously epilepsy is a hidden disability. People, only if people like know Freya, know that she's got epilepsy. So I guess naively for me with epilepsy, I just thought like we were saying earlier, it was flashing lights, that sort of thing that, and you would have a seizure and your body would convulse and things like that. But hers is all false. Um, And she isn't triggered by flashing lights and things like that it's completely different so that was my own personal misconception so I guess I'm still learning I mean we're only a year and a half into her diagnosis and there's like still a minefield of stuff to learn and we still can't pinpoint things that trigger her I guess misconception for her amputations with the public because obviously that's her visible disability thinking that she isn't able to do things like when they see, I mean, it's getting better now because obviously there people with amputations and wearing prosthetics on telly and you see the Paralympics and things like that. But we still get a lot of people thinking that she wouldn't be able to do something and you can't tell her she can't do something because she will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Strong-willed of like, you can do it. You just got to find your own way of doing it like, and you'll be able to do it. So, yeah, I guess that's probably the biggest misconception. And people saying, sorry. Like I, I, I don't like that. That's that's I, that's another like misconception. Like, you, you, it's not sorry. You don't need to be sorry because I'm not sorry. Like she's amazing. So it's that's one thing I'd like people to take away from this if they're listening. Like, don't apologize for someone's disability because like there's nothing to be sorry about, is there? Really? No. No, and it's amazing that you know she'll just do anything that you, you know anything that you say. Oh, yeah. You know, if you don't say she can't do anything, because she'll do it. Like, love it, love it. Yeah, she's she's a bit like me actually. If you tell her she can't do something, she will want to do it even more. Like, <laughs> and I mean, she's six, so there's that. She's going through that. Oh, what can I push boundaries on, sort of thing, and yeah. climbing things that she shouldn't be climbing, and jumping off sofas, and yeah, she's quite a daredevil as well. So. 
yeah, yeah. she's this girl she's can just crazy this girl absolutely yeah, can and she will yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and she will that's the thing she will <laughs> yeah which is which is great so you know any any unique challenges or successes that you want to share with anyone listening challenges is sort of like you'll know as yourself like every day is a different thing like even just like navigating life, like we were just talking now about like hospital appointments, like I work full time, trying to hold the job down. Like thankfully I've got such like amazing employers that completely understand. But I was at previous employment that they weren't very good at with it. And yeah, you'll go for like a month or two with like no hospital appointments. And then you get like five in a month or something and you're trying to navigate your life and obviously I've got an older daughter as well it's getting easier she's getting older because she can I don't need to go and pick her up from school like she gets the bus home and she's okay to be at home for an hour or two so just trying to navigate life is probably the biggest challenge <laughs> yeah I and I I agree absolutely so many the hospital appointments the chasing I don't know about you but mm-hmm. with with meds but for us there's been multiple times where the meds haven't been ready like the meds for epilepsy, oh. like if you don't have them, then it's it's potentially life-threatening. They could have way mm. more seizures. You can't just stop the meds like that. You, you'd have to wean off. And even, yeah. even just a few months ago, we were told by the pharmacy that the meds, one of the meds that he's on, so my son is on two meds for his epilepsy, one of the meds he's on was discontinued, apparently. And you can imagine... I was like, what? Like, I was crying. I was going to melt down. Yeah. I yeah. would have uh, a complete meltdown. Yeah. Like, uncontrollable. Yeah. And I, so I went to a different pharmacy to check because I was like, no, like, they can't just discontinue a medication that mm-hmm. is like life, you know, if you just suddenly stop. So many seizures, status epilepticus, which is a prolonged mm-hmm. seizure, all of those things could happen. Mm-hmm. So I went into another pharmacy and again, they said the same changing manufacturers of meds even is quite dodgy because even though it's the same base drug if it's a different brand it can be made up of different fillers which could then have different impacts on the child and everything like that so my head was racing with what are we going to do we're going to have to wean him off that one and put him on this one and just it was it was an absolute nightmare so being someone who chases and someone who doesn't take no for an answer we we rang the actual pharmaceutical company of the drug and we were like is this discontinued is this true they said no they said it just changed yeah they said it just changed its name so Um, yeah so it's the same drug formulated in the same way but a different name change and for us as a parent having to ring that's terrible they should be doing it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So even things like that, that cause undue stress, a lot yep. of a lot of tears. Yeah, I can imagine. And then I had to try and convince the doctors and the pharmacy that the drug wasn't discontinued and that they just needed to now prescribe me this new name of drug, which they didn't believe me. Did they not ring themselves start to find out? So I suggested that. And fortunately, one of the hospital doctors then did. But the GP wouldn't, the pharmacy wouldn't. No, thankfully, touch words, like none of that. I did. We did have it because I can't even say the drug, the name of the drug that she's on. It begins with an L. It's like Lebrest or something. 
but basically it's the Kepra brand. But we she doesn't like the Kepra. She didn't get on with the Kepra. So I always ask for the, it's basically the bog standard drug of it. It's the same, like you said, same thing, but they're different manufacturers. Yeah. And now when you see a prescription, it's like in big, bold letters, like do not do Kepra. Because <laughs> the amount of times that I went into the pharmacy, like this is the wrong one. Like, Thankfully, I've got my mum and dad close and quite often I'll be like, oh, can you pick up Freya's prescription for me? Because I'll be working or something like that. And uh, mum and dad like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Obviously, don't check it because you they just think that what's been given is right. And then they'll be coming home and I'll be like that. That's not the right one. Like march into the pharmacy, like yeah. this isn't the right one. I've put on the prescription, so I've had a lot of that. But yeah. thankfully, nothing that's been discontinued because I've had to melt down. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I did, and yeah, Kepra. So my son was on Kepra, the first drug that they put mm-hmm. him on, and he's on his like fifth drug now to try and stop the seizures. But Kepra, I, I took him off it after six weeks because the rage, the it was rage. yeah it was real it was so real and so yeah is advocating as a parent isn't it I'm sure you know you've got to go down to that pharmacy and say no that's the wrong drug or you know mm-hmm. I've got to ring the people to say the pharmaceutical company and say no what what's happening and that takes a lot of energy uh, and mental headspace doesn't it it does and I guess like a lot of other parents of children with different disabilities and things like that will, will probably understand you go from being a parent to then like, you have to be like medically trained, basically, yeah. don't you? When you yeah. then have a child with a disability, like you, like with Freya's leg condition she was born with, like I knew more than the consultants that we were going to see yeah. because I'd done so much research. And I like you become that fountain of knowledge of your child's condition and you do end up knowing more than the medical professionals. Yeah. It's quite scary because you don't train to be that. Like I never left school, went to uni and was like, I'm going to be a doctor. I don't know medicine, but you are brought into this world and then you have to have to learn it. It's, it's scary. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, with epilepsy, I don't know whether you've, you've seen this, but, you know, there, there's 40 different types of seizures, whereas people just think of Isn't one. Yeah. And but other doctors, mm. GPs, etc., aren't specially trained in epilepsy. So like you said, we definitely do know more about their specific types of seizures. And I love the campaign from Young Epilepsy, Understand My Epilepsy is their hashtag. And it's so true because each person's epilepsy will be different. Each person is an individual and it impacts them in a different way, like any other disabilities as well. We can't just, you know, often things are caught together, but actually understanding how seizures impact the individual and also the abnormal brain activity all the time that we we were just saying that both our kids on, on the EEGs, which is where you put wires on heads and you stick glue on them. Oh, and that glow takes years to get out. <laughs> yeah. Sensory, absolute nightmare for the kids. My daughter had to be sedated mm. to actually have that test because oh, she's very tactile sensitive. But it's it's things like that and advocating and learning so much about your child's conditions. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but like when we got told that Freya had epilepsy, it was Freya's got epilepsy. Here's a prescription for the medicine. Goodbye. It was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> like what does he now? Like, thankfully, like both myself and my husband have got first aid training and things like that and first with quite a lot of first aid training now epilepsy is quite a big 
part of it because it is becoming like more known. So I did know like the first stage to do, like when she was having a seizure and things, but didn't actually, and I still like a year and a bit down the line, I still don't understand it. Like I'm still having to do my own research to find out. There's no one that, and I mean, we've just been given a nurse now. So yeah, April last year, she got diagnosed. So we're well over a year. So now I've finally got someone I can like ring and talk to and ask for advice. But before that, there was no one. And you're just sort of like left because there is no one available for you, basically. Yeah. And yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we we were saying that it's that being on high alert is it's very unpredictable, isn't it? When seizures might occur, mm. might not, you know, triggers are general life, stress, excitement, all of those things can trigger. And it's it's that constant state of high alert taking its toll as a parent because you want to protect your child. After all this stuff that Frey has been through, like her amputation surgery, her heart surgery that she had when she was a baby, like multiple hospital administrations, like epilepsy was the one thing that like got me and just floored me and I didn't cope very well and did have to go to therapy because of the anxiety around it and things like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think it's it's saying that's okay because like I also I refer myself to steps mm. to well being because of that anxiety surrounding that, and I'm sure any others listening here, I'm sure many of the send parents listening will will resonate with that because it's that extra mental emotional mm. load because we want to provide, we have to advocate for our kids, we have to you know learn all this stuff that we never thought yeah never thought we would have to and so therefore looking after ourselves and and sharing our concerns and our anxieties is really important yeah and like never feel bad for thinking like that you need help like I went on for so long thinking like oh I don't need help but like not I guess not the stigma around it because that is changing thankfully around like mental health and things like that but there's still a sort of like it's your inner voice saying to you like oh you can't cope you're sort of failing as a mum sort of thing so just not feeling that like it's okay to go to therapy and ask for help with them sort of things and finding the right therapist as well that deals with anxiety or people even get like PTSD from certain things that happen to their kids and things like that so finding the right person to help you and like yeah it's okay to go yeah yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So, I mean, you said you shared a few things along the way, but what is something you want to kind of end with encouraging, inspiring other SEND parents on their journey? Oh, there's just so much in there. <laughs> like, I mean, Freya's only six, so not being, I was very naive before having Freya, very naive that I thought that the world was very accepting. And because that's how my brain was, I thought the rest of the world was like that. So I was very naive into the fact that disabled people still still had a struggle with just normal day life. Like we have a struggle with schools, like getting her into just like mainstream school because mentally, like she's fine. But her disability is obviously like her physical one is the main one. So getting her, even like when she when she went to the school, I mean, we live in a very rural community. The school was a very small school. I wanted her to go to that school because her sister went to that school. Um, they had to get the council in to put ramps in, to put handles, to put a lift in to the one of the outside doors. All these things that wasn't there before that she had gone 
And without these things, she wouldn't be able to go. Telling not just send parents, but everyone, like, just help make the world more accessible for people with disabilities because if you make it accessible for them, it's accessible for everyone. And that is the biggest thing. Like, you face something every single day that is a challenge when you're out and about, like, at shops. Like, I used to get annoyed with, like, pushing the pram around to shop, like, now, if, with the, if she's using a wheelchair, it's even worse. <laughs> like, just make the world accessible for everyone. Yeah, and that's that's an amazing message that everyone needs to hear. Like you said, make the world accessible for everyone. Yeah, don't be naive like I was, and I'm not. I'm not not ashamed to admit that I was naive because I guess unless you're like pushed into that world, you don't fully understand. But I don't feel like there was enough people talking about it. I feel like there is now. There are a lot more people talking about it now. But when Freya was born, certainly, like there wasn't a lot of noise about it. So I think the noisier we are, the better. Just to get it out there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Absolutely. We've got it. We've got to because, you know, there are kids yeah. we're, we're fighting for their rights and, you know, accessibility, like you said, you know, for, for Freya and and. and and everyone else so yeah definitely be noisy yeah yeah and don't be afraid to be like don't feel like you can't stand up and say something because I've been quite outspoken like my whole life anyway I've never had that issue but sometimes I would be a bit reserved about how I was but now I'm like no if it's accessible for fur it's accessible for everyone it's accessible for everyone with a disability like before Freya went to that school they couldn't have even had an adult work in there they were had a physical disability because they wouldn't be able to get around because of the stairs and things like that it's just simple things that we all take for granted yeah yeah absolutely yeah thank you danielle if people want to sorry i could rant all day no no it's good no it's it's very important it's very important absolutely if people want to connect with you you know if if anything they've you've said resonates with them where where's the best place to do that so on my facebook i've got instagram and tiktok but i don't I'm not very good on them, but we yeah, have my Facebook. Is, I'm always on Facebook. Okay. So yeah, don't ever feel alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what we've got is, you know, because we're sharing, you know, I'm having the privilege of chatting with mums mm. like Danielle and everything else over these over the season one. And there's also a Patreon community that is set up for you guys, four pound a month, where we have can gather together and not feel alone and as well there's some different resources that are in there to help support different different aspects throughout through from some different guests and things like that so definitely have a look down in the in the blurb and and see see there too so thank you very much Danielle for chatting with no, me thank you. thank you and and I will see you all in the next episode thank you for listening to conversations with ascend mum brought to you by the super sensory squad have a lovely week